The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers, laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you too go into my vineyard and I will give you what is just. So they went off. And when he went out again around noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden and the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. The parable that our Lord tells his disciples today is basically a parable about us laboring in the life of the church. That we come into the vineyard of the Lord, into the church, and we work different times. Some of us were baptized Catholic as infants, and we labor in the vineyard of the Lord all day long. We put in our sweat and tears as we go through the course of our day, bearing the heat of the day. Others come at 9 o'clock in the morning, earlier in life. Some come at noon, some come at 3, some come at 5. And the reality in the life of the church, some come at 5.59 and 59 seconds. And in the end, everyone gets the same exact pay. We get the same reward, namely heaven. And we ought not to be, gener- ought not to be envious of the generosity of God. Rather, we ought to celebrate and be filled with great joy. The laboring in the Lord can be a difficult thing, though, for us. It means sometimes that we have to have the difficult choice of choosing to make it to Mass on Sunday rather than to go to another event, which we would rather attend. Sometimes it means the daily sacrifice of that time in prayer, which in the midst of so many busy schedules can seem like a waste of time rather than a time of productive you know, gift to the Lord. Also simply just living a good Christian moral life. Especially in the times that we live in wherein the world will tell us anything but the opposite. 
where we're encouraged to live lives of sin and godlessness quite often, if we put it bluntly, rather than to turn to the Lord and to rely upon him and to conform our lives to his call. So it is hard for us. It's hard to labor in the vineyard. Indeed, if we try to rely upon our own strength, we will fall short. To labor in the vineyard is not a task where we go and tough it out ourselves. Rather, to be able to do the work of the Lord, we have to have the help of the Lord, namely his grace. We know that there are a number of ways that we can gain God's grace. We can gain it from reading the sacred scriptures and allowing God's word to come and to touch our hearts. We know that God's grace is communicated to us by the time in our prayer, whether praying the rosary or various other prayers or just our own private prayers through the course of the day spoken from our hearts. God communicates his grace to us by use of sacramentals, again, by the use of the rosary, by holy water, by pious prayers offered before a crucifix and these sorts of things. But the place above all where God communicates his grace most powerfully and most perfectly is in the Holy Eucharist. And Holy Mass. The prophet Isaiah speaks to us today and he encourages us seek the Lord while he may be found, call him while he is near. And where else may the Lord be found most perfectly? And may he draw most clearly nearest to us, but in the Holy Eucharist. Where it doesn't satisfy God that he even just simply comes to the Holy Altar, is that he desires to come and to reside in our very flesh. The God who created us, soul and body, comes to us and ensures that we are addressed in both. That both are filled with his presence. In baptism we receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Trinity. Indeed, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit come to dwell in our soul. They make a tent in our soul, if you will. So we know that God is with us in spirit. But again, he knows that we need help in the flesh as well. And so he comes not just to fill us with the Spirit but to fill us with the flesh and blood of his Son, to give us the Eucharist, that we might be able truly to draw dear, not just in spirit, but also in body, to our God, to be able to be strengthened for our labors in the vineyard. And so we come to our Lord in the Eucharist. Throughout the life of the church, countless saints, indeed I would say every saint, would encourage us in one particular practice, That is particularly important to us, encouraging us in the spiritual life. And that is mindfulness of our states after receiving Holy Communion. Mindfulness of the Lord. That the moment after we receive Holy Communion, when we return back to our pews, is the most intimate moment any of us will ever spend with God on this side of death. The only greater intimacy we'll know comes in heaven. So the greatest intimacy that we can have with God is the moment we've received Holy Communion. Because God dwells with us in spirit and in body. And so the saints, every one of them, will encourage us to one particular thing. Namely, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Particularly in that moment. To return to our pews, we know it's, it's easy for us to get distracted with so many things. Watching the rest of the people go up for Holy Communion, maybe. Or maybe we're watching whatever's happened around us. We've got the cute little kids in the pews, so they're fun to watch too, right? 
We've got so many things that are happening maybe after Mass. Today we've got the, uh, the food waiting for us next door. Or maybe we have another something that's happening this afternoon. Or maybe this week something's on our mind already. And it's easy for us to come up and receive Holy Communion and go back to our pew and, and to, to be lost in so many things. When in fact we ought to be concerned about the one thing. Like Mary. Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus much to her sister Martha's frustration. Lord, make her do something. Make her help us, right? Martha, Martha. Mary has chosen a better part and it will not be taken from her. And the part that Mary chose was Christ. To sit at his feet, to love him, and to be loved by him. To speak to him with her heart and to be spoken to him, by him rather, with his. And that's what Holy Communion is for. We receive that intimacy with Christ that we're created for. So as we go back to our pew, we're encouraged to simply speak to the Lord. To give him thanks, first and foremost. To give thanks for the Eucharist that provides us this opportunity for intimacy with God. To give thanks for the blessings that God has given to us through the course of the week. To give thanks for our life, for our faith. To give thanks for our family, for our friends, for our community. To allow our hearts to pour out with a hymn of praise, a song of adoration. And just echo the goodness of God and the many things he has done for us. Indeed, at that moment, also to cry out to the Lord in our need, as Isaiah says. To know that he is near to us to help us. We've talked frequently in the past few weeks about bringing ourselves, bringing our gifts, bringing our intentions to the Lord in the altar, and to speak to Him also in the moment of Holy Communion, because there He speaks back to us quite frequently if we listen. As we speak to our Lord, we make also a moment of silence for Him to speak to us, because He does. To love Him and to be loved by Him is the greatest of gifts. A little foretaste of heaven every time we come here to Holy Mass. As earthly and as normal it may seem, it is the greatest gift we could ever receive. The Lord Jesus encourages us and reminds us about the importance of Holy Communion in the sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel, where he says to us in no uncertain terms, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. Challenging words. While we, so many ways, can try to chalk it up as signs or symbols or nice, nice uh, moral sayings, the ultimate reality is Jesus was being very, very clear that if we desire eternal life and also temporary life here in this world, his strength with us, we need his flesh and we need his blood because they are his life and they are ours as well. And he bids us come and partake of the sacred meal, which him, which is him, to eat of him. That doesn't mean that all should eat every single time we come to Mass, however. The church also recognizes that there are times, that there are times whenever we ought to refrain from receiving Holy Communion. And this is an important thing for us. Whenever we receive unworthily, we eat and drink judgment upon ourselves, as St. Paul tells us in the letter to the Corinthians. So we must, every time we come to Mass, pause and reflect, am I ready to receive today? Am I in the proper spiritual disposition? Or do I need to refrain? It's a good question. 
It's a rather simple question. Again, there are a number of things that can keep us from receiving Holy Communion. Sometimes it's because there's a particularly grave sin on our soul, a mortal sin, which prevents us from coming forward to being able to receive communion with Christ. So, we can remedy that by going to sacramental reconciliation. Sometimes it's this that we have neglected to observe the fast, the one-hour fast before, me, before, the, uh, before the reception of Holy Communion, which usually is not too bad of a problem since Father preaches pretty long pretty regularly. We're usually right about the hour mark if you've quit eating by the time you've come to Mass. But the reality is if we haven't fasted properly, we are encouraged to abstain from the Eucharist. Sometimes it's our state of life. The mode of our life that separates, him, separates us from Christ, we, we don't really have communion with him on a regular basis. And if we don't have communion with him on a regular basis, it would be a lie for us to receive communion with him on one simple day rather than uh, to have abstained there too until we are spiritually prepared. Sometimes that is someone's simply not Catholic, and if they are not part of the communion in which we partake, uh, then also they are not uh, to receive of the, the physical communion that we take with Christ. Less rare, but also a possibility, is sometimes we've received communion enough already, and we shouldn't receive it even more. The church says that we can receive communion twice in, on each particular day, that kind of being a, an exception to the rule as much as twice, they say. Uh, typically, we should receive only once, but if, um, if you happen to go to three masses, you can receive twice, and on the third one, you abstain. It's not a bad thing. Simply coming to Mass doesn't mean that we're supposed to receive communion. Oftentimes we get that connected in our minds, but it's not a one-to-one correlation uh, that we have to follow. Rather, again, for each of us to come and to ask in the quiet of our hearts, am I ready to receive Christ today in the Eucharist? Am I spiritually prepared? If we're not, it doesn't mean that Christ doesn't draw near to us. It doesn't mean that, that Christ intentionally stays away from us. But rather, the church also recognizes a wonderful gift that even in not receiving Holy Communion itself, we can make an act of spiritual communion. We can offer a prayer in our hearts that expresses our desire to receive and looks forward to the day where we can, in fact, do so. A simple internet search would certainly turn up a whole variety of options that one could take. There's all sorts of various official forms that are are prescribed out there. But you can also just make up one and say it from your own heart. Say whatever's whatever's on your heart. I mean, those are the most important and the most powerful prayers quite often. It could be something to this effect. My Lord Jesus, I love you. I long to receive you in the Eucharist, but right now I'm not able to do so. Fill me with your grace and fill me with your peace. Help me to look forward with great hope to the day that I can receive you. And be with me now until that time. A simple prayer. And yet a profound one. That expresses the sincerity and the reality of our hearts. The desire to draw close to the Lord. And we know that he desires to draw close to us as well. And so if we're not able to receive, making a spiritual communion also is a way for us to receive something of the grace of God. To have something of that closeness with him. It also means that we can use it through the course of the day. If we're not able to make it to daily Mass, but we desire to, we can pray the spiritual communion. And spend a few moments in silence and know that God is there with us. That God comes to give us the grace. That we desire the Eucharist. 
but we're simply not able to get to Mass to be able to receive. We still receive grace. That said, the spiritual communion is not meant to be a, a kind of substitute for receiving Holy Communion. It's not as if we can say simply, well, I can't receive communion, so I'll just make my spiritual communion, and that'll suffice, that's good enough for me. If we content ourselves with that place, we content ourselves to a very serious state. And so I will say very clearly and in no uncertain terms that if there is anything whatsoever that is keeping you from the Eucharist, remove it. Period. Whatever the sin... Whatever the state of soul, whatever the state of life, if there is anything that separates us from regularly receiving our Lord Jesus in the Eucharist, it needs to be removed, lest we not have life. To labor in the vineyard is hard work, as you each know, and we need every bit of help that we can get, especially from the grace of Christ. So the Lord Jesus bids us to come and to be united to him regularly, frequently, as often as we can. Whatever means it may, whatever takes, whatever means it takes, it's worth it. Because our reward for that labor is Christ Himself. And so in a, in a few moments we will have our Lord Jesus come to us very, very close indeed once again on this holy altar. He will come and present himself to us under this great mystery of this miraculous bread and wine transformed into his flesh and blood. He draws near to us. Let us make the words of Isaiah a reality in our own hearts and cry out to him with all of our heart to give him all of our hope, to give him all of our love, to pray that he will fill us with his peace and with his grace. That as we go forth from this church today, we may be filled with the grace of Christ to go forth to continue to labor in the vineyard that many more might be able to come to join with us in the reward of our labors, heavenly life.